This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. We've been teaching a series on the Holy Spirit the last uh, few weeks, and we want to continue along those lines. I'm not sure what we titled this, uh, uh, this series, but we're really trying to focus on the Holy Spirit in the believer. John chapter 14, the, li- the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, the night that he was betrayed, said in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for a few weeks. I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he'll last for the end of your life, but after that the church is out of luck. That he may abide with you forever. Folks, how long is forever? How is it possible then that the Holy Spirit or any aspect or any facet of the Holy Spirit's work that took place and started in the church could possibly be done away with? That'd make Jesus a liar, wouldn't it? Maybe Jesus just messed up. Maybe John didn't remember it right. Well, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would abide with you forever. Now, this word comforter in the, in the um, Greek is the word paraclete. Uh, the Amplified brings out that there are seven different meanings for this word comforter, this word paraclete. One is comforter, another is advocate, another is strengthener, another is standby, another is uh, helper. And there are some others in there as well. There's seven different names, seven different titles that are given to the Holy Spirit. Advocate, strengthener, standby, comforter, helper intercessor seems like i'm missing one or two nevertheless you get the point the holy spirit is supposed to be your all in all in other words there's no area of your life there's no circumstance there's no situation that you and i will face that any person no matter what the circumstance is nothing that someone will face under the new covenant from now to the end of the age that the holy spirit will not be sufficient to cover Notice what he said, verse 17, even the spirit of truth. I'm glad that he called him the spirit of truth. Uh, Another translation says it's the spirit of reality, and that word truth literally means reality. Even the spirit of reality. A lot of times people attribute things to the Holy Spirit that don't wind up being real. Well, that couldn't have been the Holy Spirit then. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of reality. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Notice it's not for the unbeliever. He's for the believer. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now folks please notice he's not talking about salvation. When he's talking about the comforter when he's talking about the strengthener and the standby and the intercessor and the advocate the helper he's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about there's coming a Holy Spirit and you'll get saved. That's not what he means because he said the world can't receive him. Well can't the world receive salvation? Can't the world receive the, the, uh, uh, the new birth, the change that occurs by the Holy Ghost by making Jesus the Lord of their lives? Can't they get that? Isn't that for everybody? Doesn't the Bible say Jesus died for the sins of the world? Not just the sins of the Christian, but the sins of the world? Well, then what Jesus is talking about, the help of the Holy Ghost he's talking about is not just salvation. He's talking about a work of the Holy Ghost to help them do the works that he did here on the earth. He's talking about the work of the church. He said the world can't receive this. So he's got to be talking about something other than salvation. Now if he meant both then he could have said now uh, the world will receive part of it but there's another part that's just for the believer. 
But that's not what he said. He said, even the, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither know him. So he's talking about a work of the Holy Spirit in those that know God. How can you know God except through Jesus? Are you out there? He's not talking about salvation. Now, he does refer to salvation, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. In the last part of the verse, he said, But you know him, for, here's how you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Two ways that you're supposed to know the Holy Ghost. By his presence in you and his presence with you, or as the scripture says in other places, upon you. Now, we know that Jesus is talking about these two dual works of the Holy Spirit. The work of the church the condition of the church is supposed to be, as far as Jesus was concerned, if this is any indication of Jesus and the, and the will of God, Jesus expressing the will of God to the church, we see that God's intent then is for the church to have the Spirit of God not just in them, but on them. Now, again, remember the context that he said that he'll abide with you forever. How long is the Holy Spirit supposed to be on the church? Forever. Now, what do we know this, that this means? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 4, talking to the woman at the well of Samaria, he said that the, the, the Spirit of God, the well of uh, the water that I give you, shall be in you a well of water springing up to everlasting life. Well, we know that's the work of the Holy Spirit, don't we? So there is a work of the Holy Spirit that makes a person born again or makes them a new spirit, a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's the, the well of water in you. That's where you begin to know God through Jesus. But then he's talked about in John chapter 7, a different work of the Holy Spirit. He stood up in the last day of the feast, week, and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, he used water as a type of both salvation and the Holy Ghost coming upon, or the infilling, or the baptism. Those are interchangeable terms of the Holy Ghost. It goes on to say in verse 38, John chapter 7, verse 38, But this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which was not yet given, upon them who should believe. In other words, not upon the world, but upon the, the church, the believers. So obviously there is a work of the Holy Ghost that comes upon the believer after he's made Jesus the Lord of his life. That's the only way you can be a believer. He's making Jesus the Lord of your life, being born again, receiving the new birth. We see this happen first in Acts chapter 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see in Acts chapter 8 a similar experience where Peter, uh, Philip goes down to Samaria and preaches Christ unto him. The people received the things, gave heed to the things that Philip spake, saw the miracles that he did, made Jesus the Lord of their lives, and there was great joy in the city. Then the apostles sent Peter and John down to them that they might receive the Holy Ghost because as yet he was fallen upon none of them. What does that mean? That means they were born again. They had the Spirit of God within in the new birth but they didn't have the Spirit of God with or upon them. He talks about falling upon them. Well, they get filled and they, get, they begin to speak with other tongues, just like everybody else. There are five different things. We've talked about this a little bit last week, I believe. Five different times in the New Testament where somebody or a group of people were filled with the Holy Ghost, and every time the Bible either speaks specifically or refers to the fact that they spoke with other tongues. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Well, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, talking to the disciples after they were saved, after he had ra been raised from the dead, after they had seen him, after they had confessed him as Lord, they believed in his heart, their hearts that God had raised him from the dead. They confessed him as Lord. The Bible says that's the prerequisite to salvation, the, the criteria for salvation, so they had to be saved. 
we see a change in their lives occur. They're not any longer behind closed doors and uh, for fear of the Jews. They're out openly in the temple worshiping and praising God. Something changed in them when they met Jesus. They were made new creatures. They were born again. Then Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to these very same people that had been born again, he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, is come upon you. We know in Acts chapter 2 that coming upon, the Holy Spirit coming upon the believer is the baptism or the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So Jesus is telling those that are born again, you need something more. If you're going to go do the work of preaching the gospel, going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, if you're going to do that work, you need something more of the Holy Ghost to do it. Well, what do you need? Power. Well, who doesn't need power today? I think we need more power today than they needed in their day. Because there are more people to reach and people are worse and worse than, than they ever were back then. At least in some respects. Well, what part of the church would ever step up and say, well, we don't need that power anymore? Seriously? I would submit to you folks that the only ones that would say we don't need power are people that never, have never experienced power. It's easy to say you don't need something when you don't know what it is. So what was that power that came upon them? Well, it was the Holy Ghost. And that power was evidenced by the fact that they spoke with other tongues. Well, turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's talk about some reasons for speaking with other tongues. Now, maybe we ought to start over in verse 18, where Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. The condition of the Corinthian church was they had so much speaking in tongues during their services that people that came in from the outside that were either unsaved or they were saved but didn't know about the Holy Ghost there was no teaching, there was no instruction about what was going on, and so they were confused about the whole thing. The whole city was saying that this church at Corinth was crazy. Now, that's similar to what a lot of the charismatic churches are thought of today. A lot of people think charismatic churches are crazy, and I've got to tell you something, folks. The way that I see some operate, I think they are too. Not because what they're doing is wrong, but because the way that they're doing it is such that brings reproach rather than understanding. That's what Paul's trying to fix in this church at Corinth. It was a great blessing to me to find out that God didn't want spirit-filled people to be thought of as crazy. Because that was one of the things that scared me when I was young. I saw speaking people that spoke in tongues, and they seemed crazy to me. But when I saw that God didn't want tongue-talking, uh, tongue spirit-filled people to be thought of or seen as crazy, I thought, man, this is great news. Now I can go in with confidence. So Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. He must know what he's talking about because he speaks with tongues more than this group who, who, who seems to be, it seems from the record that we have in the scripture, that that's the only thing they ever do. Well, what does he say about this speaking in tongues? Notice in chapter 14, verse 2. He said, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. The first thing you need to know about speaking in other tongues is that you're talking in a divine, supernatural God-given manner to communicate with God. Now, I've got a question for you. Just having made that comment, if we go no further, let me ask you a question. Why would God ever want that divine communication to end? 
For those that say that speaking in tongues is not for everybody, for those that say that speaking in tongues has been done away with, let me ask you this. Why would God ever want it to be done away with, or why would God not want everybody to have it? Is there any reason that you can think logically, spiritually, or otherwise? Is there any reason you can think of why God would not want a supernatural and divine manner of communication to continue? Why would he want it to stop? Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross, and on the cross, Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being, and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. There's no question about it, folks. Tongues are distinctive for this age here on the earth, the church age. There's no need for us to speak in tongues in heaven. Now, the Holy Spirit won't depart from us. We'll still have the Holy Spirit in its full measure. But there will be no reason for you to speak in tongues in heaven because you'll see the Lord face to face. You'll be able to, to see and know as you are seen and known. But again, back to my original question, why would God ever want this divine communication, manner of communication to cease? If speaking in tongues is speaking directly to God, if it's a supernatural and a God-given manner to communicate with Him, why would He not want that to continue? He does. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men. But unto God, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Two things about that last phrase, speaking in tongues is speaking in the Spirit. And that is the rub, folks. That's why the devil fights it. That's why the devil fights it. Because speaking with your understanding is not speaking in the Spirit. I'm speaking as much as I'm able by the direction of the Holy Ghost, what I believe the Holy Ghost wants me to say. But it's not my Spirit speaking. These words are coming through my mind to you. But when I speak in an unknown tongue, it bypasses my mind, and it's my spirit directly in communication and contact with God. Romans chapter 8 says the Holy Ghost is the one that gives me utterance. He prays or he speaks the perfect will of God since it's bypassing my mind. This supernatural and divine means of God-given means of communicating with him bypasses any and every opportunity that I might have to make it selfish. To turn it toward me and what I want. Instead, it's directly between God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit giving me utterance through my own spirit. And that's what the devil doesn't want. Furthermore, it says, He that speaketh in the Spirit speaketh secrets, divine secrets. Mysteries, King James translation. Weymouth's translation is, He speaketh divine secrets. Now, here's another reason why the devil fights it against fights against it so much he's not in on the secret he doesn't want you speaking secrets 
He doesn't want your spirit, where, where, which is the real powerhouse. That's where the Spirit of God lives. It's where the presence of God is, not in your body and not in your mind. He didn't want the powerhouse part of you communicating directly with God by the inspiration or the utterance of the Holy Ghost. Because he knows when that takes place, spiritual things happen. Spiritual plans are made. Spiritual forces are unleashed. His goose is cooked. Verse 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The word edifies means to build up. It literally means to put the roof on the house, to finish a building. But if you look that word up in the Greek, you'll find that there's a better translation now than even what they had in their days, and it's to recharge like a battery. That's what edify or to build up means. It means to build up in spiritual strength like you'd recharge a battery. Now, folks, our world lives on iPhones, smartphones, tablets, laptops and so forth you know as well as I do that a part of your daily routine is to plug your stuff back in and recharge it for the next day right how often do you do that with your spirit I'd hate to think that I'm using my iPhone more often than I'm using my spirit I'm, I'd hate to think that my iPad keeps a better charge than my spirit does yet unfortunately for too much of the church that must be the case it means to charge yourself up like a battery. It means to recharge yourself spiritually. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That means to recharge yourself spiritually. That's why speaking in tongues is such an important issue. It recharges your spiritual batteries. It replenishes spiritual power and energy. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. How often do you do that? Smith Wilkersworth said this. Somebody asked him. He was a, um, well, his wife was really the preacher. They were part of the Salvation Army movement in, uh, in England many years ago. And, uh, and his wife was really the preacher. He was, just, he was a plumber by trade, and he just kind of went along to help, and he'd set things up and, you know, set up chairs and stuff like that. And, um, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And as a result, his ministry just became a worldwide phenomenon he had revival on every inhabited continent of the earth on it during his day during his lifetime and people would ask him they said well what is the what is the secret to your success and he said well i can't say that it's education because i don't have any he had no more than a third grade education if i remember correctly he said it can't be pulpit pulpit etiquette because i don't know what that is and he was he was just as rough as a cob you know he was uh, he used common language and and sometimes he'd mess up his words and, and stuff like that. It didn't matter to God. God used him in a great way. There was an um, English minister that came by when Brother Hagin was still alive, came by the campus there in, uh, in Tulsa and uh, sat down and talked with Brother Hagin one afternoon. And Brother Hagin told us that this man said that he personally knew of 21 people that had been raised from the dead in, John, in uh, Smith Booklesworth's ministry. Well, he's got me beat by 21. How about you? I mean, obviously somebody knows something about power. Wouldn't you think? I mean, we could at least assume that. Well, people asked him, what was the secret to your success? And he said, well, he said, you know my story. He said, I was a plumber, just a common laborer. And he said, I heard about a, a meeting over in a certain place called the name of the town where people were being filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I didn't know what that was, so I went to check it out. 
Now, actually, if you read his story, the details of his story, he was fighting against it. He went over there to prove to them that he had all of God there was to get. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He found out he was wrong. He began speaking with other tongues. So he said, so what I do is every afternoon I spend two hours edifying myself, speaking in other tongues. And then I go out at night and edify the people. Now, what he claimed to be the secret of his success was not just being baptized in the Holy Ghost, but the fact that he used speaking in tongues two hours every afternoon to charge himself up spiritually, to charge himself with spiritual power, and then he ministered out of that power when he was in his services. Well, it's hard to argue with the success. I'm sure all 21 of those people that had been raised from the dead were glad that he did that as well as the countless numbers of people that were healed and raised from uh, wheelchairs and crippled conditions and, and healed from sicknesses and so, uh, so forth. Wigglesworth was an amazing guy. He'd be in a, ser a service, and, and uh, I remember one story that he told about. He said that there was a... And, and these things were not instant results. There were a lot of challenges and fights that he had during his services. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. He said one service he was at in a certain place there was an auditorium of some type and they had a great big old high platform that they'd built or put up or whatever erected in some way or another. And so he's looking out over the crowd, a couple of thousand people, and there's somebody that comes in a wheelchair and everybody in town knew who this person was. It was a dire situation. It was a terrible condition, whatever it was. And they wheeled this guy up late after everybody was seated, after Wigglesworth had already started preaching. They comes in the side door and brings him up to the front and every eye, every head turned to watch this thing. Well, he saw he lost the people, so he just quit talking. So he watched him bring him down, watched everybody, and he said as soon as he brought him in and got him situated up toward the front, he said he could just tell there was just like a, a, a cloud had come over the whole service. They weren't listening to me. Everybody's looking, wondering what's going to happen. They're thinking immediately, well, if God can't do anything for this fellow, how can he do anything for me? So Wigglesworth just stops. He continues to preach for a few minutes, realizes he's lost the people, there's a spirit of doubt and unbelief in the whole place. So he just stopped and he said, look, should I heal this guy now so that you'll listen to the rest of the service or should I give him a chance to hear the word first and then heal him at the end? Well, the crowd kind of sits there and has the same reaction as you. Like, is he talking to us? So finally somebody speaks up and says, heal him now. So he just walks over to it. Lays hands on him, says, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Walks away, the guy doesn't move. That'll mess up a service. <laughs> so he turns away, says to the people, the word of faith is spoken. Do you think there's any chance that God won't hear our prayer? Do you think there's any chance that God didn't hear what we said and commanded that man when we told him to be healed, to rise and walk? And everybody's thinking, well, the Bible says, yeah, God will hear when you, when you speak. So Wigglesworth just goes on praying. I mean, goes on uh, preaching, ministering the word. He can see people are still looking over there to the other side. But he's getting them a little bit by little bit. He's getting them about 30 minutes into this thing. Wigglesworth turns around and says, all right, that's long enough. Rise and walk. The guy gets up and walks around. Now, he said, Wigglesworth said it was a combination of two things. He said, number one, he said, I realized when I laid hands on the individual, he had no faith exercise in what God could do. So I had to get some word into him. 
He said, but secondly, he said, all during the time that I'm speaking and preaching the word, I'm having a fight with the devil because the devil's speaking in my mind saying, you know it's not going to work this time. It's, you're going to be so, shown and seen as a fraud. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And all the time while he's preaching, he's speaking back to the devil. He says, the word of faith is spoken. It has to be in Jesus' name. Where do you get that kind of faith? Turn with me over to Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter in Jude. It's a little postcard. right before revelation i know you spend a lot of time there so i'll help you out notice the book of jude the 20th verse here's one reason one great reason for speaking in other tongues now i'm not talking about a great reason to be filled with the holy spirit i'm talking about to those that are filled here's a reason why you should use what you have jude verse 20 but you beloved so he's talking to christians but you beloved building up yourselves Spiritual power, spiritual recharging, same thing that he was talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Now, notice, how do you do that? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, notice he does not say that speaking in tongues or praying in the Holy Ghost, those are interchangeable terms. Notice he does not say that that gives you faith. We know that's not the case. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So faith comes by hearing of the word. That's why Wigglesworth continued to preach so he could get some of the word into this guy that he's already prayed for. He's already commanded to be healed. So faith comes by hearing the word. But once you've heard the word, your faith can be stimulated by speaking in other tongues. It's not an uncommon thing at all for people to get healed in the prayer room when they get filled with the Holy Ghost. We've had people that we've prayed for over and over and over again. When they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they receive their healing. Now, why? Is that because God only heals people that are filled with the Holy Ghost? Not at all. Sometimes they're the hardest people to get, say, or to get healed. Sometimes it's easier to get unbelievers healed than it is Christians. Because God will do some things just as a sign. That works very often with unbelievers. But why do people that didn't get healed, that didn't receive their healing, receive once they were filled with the Holy Ghost? Because it takes faith to speak out the utterance that the Holy Ghost gives you when you speak in other tongues. And when you exercise faith in one area, it enables you to, to, to become accustomed with or familiarize yourself to exercise faith in other areas. That's why when you speak in other tongues to recharge your spiritual batteries, as it were, that stimulates your faith. Because faith is the same in every area. Faith for finance is the same as faith for healing. Faith for healing is the same as faith for salvation. Faith for salvation is the same as faith for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Faith is faith. It's just based on different scriptures or different promises of God's word. There's no difference. Some people think it's harder to get healed than it is to receive money by faith. Other people think it's harder to receive money than it is to receive healing. It's all the same. It's a matter of what you build into your own heart the faith that you build into your own heart as a result of the word that you hear. The word's the same. Healing scriptures are the same as prosperity scriptures. They all come from God. There's no difference on his end. If there's any kind of difference, it's because we give more credibility or more attention to one than we do the other. But faith is the same in every area, every realm. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you build yourself up on your faith? How do you stimulate your faith? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Through the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, 
God lives and dwells on the inside of us. Rely on His power and His presence to overcome anything and everything that you face. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. We're talking about divine power. We're talking about God-given power. We're talking about a display of things that man cannot do in and of himself. That's the one that lives on the inside of you. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.